Support Narrative's independent journalism at patreon.com forward slash narrative and check out our podcast wherever you get your podcasts and don't forget to subscribe and download. Hello, Alison Gill. Welcome to the show. Hello, how are you guys? As you look at this kind of corruption going, and then, uh, you know, maybe you can tell a little bit of your story that happened recently, and you were let go from your position at Veterans Affairs, um, probably because of your podcast. Um, can you share with our audience that story and uh, examine how this contrasts with what's going on at uh, It's mind-blowing because, you know, us frontline government employees. I worked at the VA for about 11 years, 11 plus years. Um, started as a GS5 medical clerk and, and worked my way up uh, to a GS14 West Region TRICARE contract liaison for the Department of Defense. And um, <clears throat> it, it's we have very, very strict rules. We have to take uh, ethics training, ethics, government ethics training and Hatch Act training every, annually on, you know, we have to be certified every year. And the rules are so uh, strict and we all follow them and we all respect them. And we go out of our way to be ethical government employees because we're not there for the money, uh, you know, we're there to, to serve the country or to be of service to somebody or something other than ourselves, which again, Trump doesn't understand because it's non-transactional, it's servant leadership. So for example, I can't, I couldn't accept a gift of larger than $25. If I want to, um, I was working with the TRICARE contract for HealthNet. I am not allowed to, for two years after I leave the agency to work for HealthNet. Um, I, and if I worked for HealthNet, I would have to wait two years to go back to the VA if I were to work on oversight for a contract with HealthNet. Like these are very, like you don't even want to toe the line. So when I was doing the podcast, I hired lawyers. I said, I don't even want to get close to the line on on, on violating the Hatch Act. Um, or I don't want to run afoul of any uh, ethics issues. And uh, sometime around uh, spring of 2019, I was told uh, to my two supervisors, two new supervisors flew across country uh, on your dime to tell me that my job was moving across the country and I could either um, move across the country or be fired. And they knew that I couldn't move across the country because the year before they offered me the job of the guy who was firing me and I turned it down. I, I didn't want the direct. The well, we're moving all these offices and all these jobs clear across the country just as a way to eliminate <laughs> the jobs. But then we're doing it to you because of your podcast. Mm -hmm. Well, the day I came back from, I took a 12 week, uh, 12 weeks of leave, which I earned by working there for <laughs> over a decade. Uh, I wasn't like the government was paying me that is, sh you know, shit that I didn't earn. Um, I came back on August 6th um, and to a phone call and they said, this is a fact finding investigation. And I was like, Oh, I should have a lawyer here. And they're like, you're not allowed representation. You have to answer our questions. Oh. And uh, I said, Okay. And so they took me to uh com and says, is this you? You know, they made me type in the URL and I said, I really think I should have a lawyer on this call. And they're like, you don't get a lawyer. You don't get representation. You must answer our questions. And I was like, all right, yeah, that's me. And, um, 
the best part uh, of, of this story, uh, two things. First of all, it was August 6th that Washington Post dropped the story of the recording of Mick Mulvaney talking to Republican donors saying, we found out a cool new trick. We can move people across the country. This is how we get rid of liberals in government. We couldn't do it before. We can't just fire people. I mean, do you think they figured it out with you and then went, said, let's let's make this a, a, a policy. <laughs> let's employ this. Were you first? No, the USDA was first. The scientists oh, okay. at the USDA, the first ones that were reported. And then, of course, that was looked into uh, by the GAO, and they said that that wasn't kosher. Um, were you allowed to do the podcast, though, in terms of the legality of it? At the time, was the, were you legally allowed to have a podcast? Uh, in your- yeah, that's my First Amendment, right? Um, I, the things that you can't do under the Hatch Act are use your job as a government uh, agent or use your title or agency to promote any personal gain. You also cannot uh, campaign uh, or fundraise for somebody who's running for political office. And you can't, during work hours, you can't disparage, oppose, or support a candidate for political office. I have to tell you this, because this is terrifying and hilarious when they were invested, when they were doing the fact-finding interrogation of me the day I returned from 12 weeks of leave. They said, okay, they took me to my website, is this you? Then, and, and then, I, then they said, okay, type in this URL. And they give me a Twitter URL with all the numbers, like a really long URL, and I have to type it into the thing. And they take me to um, somebody on Twitter who posted a, a short video of me on stage live in Minneapolis with uh, Richard Painter was there that, that day. Uh, our government ethics specialist, by the way, extra irony. Um, and they said, watch this video. And it's a video of me leading the audience, in a, dividing the audience into three parts and leading a three-part harmony of the word fucked so that I could say, everyone, Manafort is, and I would go, fucked, fucked, fucked. And then like, it gets really loud at the end. And then they all go, fucked. And then there's a standing ovation and everyone cheers. Now, I'm terrified because I think I've run afoul of ethics or I've, I've violated the Hatch Act in some way. I'm in trouble. I'm being investigated by the fucking federal government, Office of General Counsel. And uh, so here I am on one hand, heart pounding out of my chest. Like, I'm trying so hard to be ethical, and gosh, have I been busted? Have I done anything wrong? And on the other side, I'm singing a three-part harmony about how Manafort is fucked, and my, they're making me watch it in the middle of a, a fact-finding uh, investigation into my podcast. It is terrifying. Um, I'd just like to say that I've been fired a lot, and I wish I would be fired for a three-part <laughs> harmony of that. And also, as a, that's a musician. As a futurist, that was also an accurate forecast. And yeah. you're in you're 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 in the GS uh, high ranks there. I mean, I, that's what you want in government. You want major harmony and accurate forecast. So, uh, as a taxpayer, I'm insulted. But would you do that again? <laughs> well, the yes, but the 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 way that it ended was I I um I had asked for uh, a reasonable accommodation because of my PTS. I said I don't want to be in the office in San Diego anymore. And besides, it doesn't matter. You've moved my job to DC, so I don't have to be in San Diego. So I asked for 100% telework and they denied me. And uh, then I filed an EEO complaint uh, because I felt that that was discriminatory and retaliatory. And after that, um, I was just waiting, sitting around waiting to be fired. The, The taxpayers were paying me a salary. No, I was on leave without pay. I was on leave without pay. Uh, but come March 25th, 2020, they decided to remove me for being medically unfit. And so I am fighting that. That was the main reason they never mentioned the podcast. They never, they never said it was about that. So you still yeah, have no, no way of proving that it was. 
podcast, but you suspect it was because of how it started. Well, when I got the EEO investigation, I found the emails coming down for the orders to investigate the podcast came from the Office of General Counsel. And then there was another email that I think came down from somewhere higher up to the Office of General Counsel saying to investigate me. And that email is fully redacted. And if you had a alternative version of yours, which is from the Trump world, I, my, my guess is you wouldn't have lost your job. If this was you doing a, a pro-Trump podcast, um, mm. oh, still that's have a really job. interesting point. The whole fucking yeah. administration is a pro-Trump podcast. It's just a bunch yeah. of... <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, it's really watery. It's really well, LB, LB, get yeah. this. Uh, sometime around... Um, middle of 2017 uh, a memo went out on an update an executive order update on the hatch act not a congressional or legislative change to the legislative law but an executive order updating the hatch act saying uh not only uh can you not oppose or support a candidate for political office you specifically cannot say disparaging things about donald trump wow really specifically about him Mm-hmm. It sounds like North Korea. It sounds ridiculous. It sounds like where, where are we living? He's already covered by the Hatch Act. He's already covered by the Hatch Act because he filed paperwork to run for office on January 20th, 2017. He filed paperwork to run for re-election. So he was a candidate running for political office. Covered. He was covered, but he had to have, he had to put his name specifically on it. It's so scary. Uh, it's so scary because we're just, you're heading into this, you know, police state world, which is just horrifying to think of anybody uh, being forced to curtail their thinking, but you as well would do it in such a in a in a in a smart, careful way, uh, and yet they yeah. still came after you. I mean, they made it their mission to come after you. Um, that yeah. must feel for all the service you've done for the country. You must must feel like a real stab in the back. That's definitely a betrayal, and it's it's especially hard because I have I have a long history of betrayal from the United States government, and I was a, a Navy veteran. And I am a survivor of military sexual trauma from that. Then when I applied for uh, compensation for that PTSD that resulted, uh, I was denied multiple times. They they said that uh, because I didn't report it, uh, it didn't happen. So that was re-traumatizing. Then I go to work for the VA because I'm going to help other veterans who are in my situation. I eventually get my claim adjudicated because the head of Women's Veterans Benefits Affairs in DC pulled some strings after she saw that I was in an Oscar-nominated movie about rape in the military. And so I said, I'm going to work for the VA because not everybody got to be in a movie and I want to help people out. And then I, you think you get a government job, you have some security. Then all of a sudden, here comes Mick Mulvaney and Fuckface, and they want to move your job across the country. Uh, they want to move the West Region liaison to the East Region. And as the listeners will recall, Washington is not in the West Region. So, uh, And then you got Louis DeJoy being able to keep $30 million dollars Seventy-five million dollars worth of shares while running the U.S. Postal Service, oh, fuck that cool. while he's trying to destroy democracy, yeah. while well, not just—he's not long. Yeah, he's not for long. I'm but, but he is there now, and it's shocking that you've got someone like he's Allison, who's committed, you know, so much great years of service to this country, and then you've yeah. got you've got um, you know you've got this guy being sent in to destroy another department. Um, well, there's so just, many of us: Struck, Page, McCabe, uh, Bowditch, Bunte. Uh, Rebicki. Lisa uh, Page, Carter yeah. Page. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> and she was a she was a GS fourteen. So if that kind of gives yeah. you an idea of, uh, we were the same uh, pay grade. Yeah. Good. You're my warrior hero, Allison. 
You really are. I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm proud to, to have you soldiering on and representing me, you know, as a, you know, as a U.S. citizen. That's an honor. Well, now I get to um, continue to serve my country just from outside the corrupt government trying to overthrow it. That's you get right. to use your name and you get to use your uh, real identity, <laughs> which is important. And you've built a real community. I mean, I'm so struck by you listening to your show about the amount of people rely on you for, you know, for the good news, rely on you for an idea of how to, to keep going through this, to keep fighting the good fight, the extraordinary circumstances. Um, that must be incredibly rewarding. It is. The community I, uh, we've built uh, from the podcast is just so generous and so engaged and so wonderful. And I've gotten to meet uh, you know, people, folks like you, I've gotten to, I've gotten to become friends with uh, Andy McCabe, who's inspired me to tell my story, but only after it was no long, longer an ethical issue. Once the podcast Mueller She Wrote had wrapped and once I was no longer working for the Department of Veterans Affairs, I wanted to tell my story because I didn't want to make it look like I was trying to make a buck off of the story for, for the podcast. But, you know, I just have wonderful people on my side and on, on my team, and I'm, I'm proud to be part of it. It's, a, it's an incredible production. I really enjoy listening to it. And uh, you should do yeah. something some on, uh, on, on live, like we do on Twitter, so we can all uh, interact with you live. <laughs> it would be a good idea. Uh, uh, yeah, to brush my hair and put, you know. <laughs> all that stuff. It's annoying. And then you've got to make sure you've got bandwidth and all these other key factors. Uh, I know you so have I got to into podcasting. <laughs> I know you have to run. Is, do you still have to run, or do you have a few moments left for I have a few minutes. I can stay for a few minutes. Um, well, let me uh, turn it over to Eric and LB. So, I mean, you, okay, you started covering uh, Mueller era in November 17th, and then uh, you got to stay till what the media started stupidly calling the post-Mueller era in uh, early 2019 when Barr came on. Uh, you know, how's the, how's the ride been? Uh, you know, how do you feel now that we're starting to come, well, you know, we're getting books on the counterintelligence side. We're starting to see the the, the holes get filled in. Well, you know, you've followed the whole story since the beginning. What's your what are your thoughts these days? This week's news or whatever. Well, <clears throat> it was tough in the beginning because we sounded insane. Uh, we sounded <laughs> bananas, and uh, and <laughs> y'all did not it the a best year before I judge. Y'all did a year before I did. I can't even admit it. And uh, you have derangement syndrome or whatever. Um, But I have to tell you, and it's been hard up until about this past month when the counterintelligence report came out from the Senate, volume five, uh, the SSCI, the SISI put that out. uh, And, uh, you know, no, no thanks to Marco Rubio. Uh, or Burr trying to get removed from the committee, but that report is uh, pretty much the transcript of the last two and a half years of the Mueller She Wrote podcast. And I was just, I felt extremely uh, obviously terrified because of it being real, but also very vindicated and and that Mm. Trump and this administration and his followers and uh, bots and trolls, the IRA have been gaslighting us for so long for talking about this Mm -hmm. stuff. Yes. Yeah. So when the report came out, it was sort of like, where's all the stuff that we want? We know is in there, it should be in there, and it just wasn't there. I was shooting a documentary 
for, for, for a Denmark uh, documentarian. And I, they interviewed me the day before the Mueller report came out and they said, well, what do you think is going to be in it? And I, you know, expounded, like, this is what I think is going to be there. And of course, none of it shows up in there. Um, and it took me- I out. wish you had seen my pizza video. You, you wouldn't have, <laughs> you wouldn't have gone so far. Uh, it, it was, it was a very narrow scope. We weren't thank, expecting yeah. much. Well, thankfully yeah. they have a huge, uh, they have a huge production timeline because they're still in production. So they were able to see volume five and I can say it wasn't completely out to lunch on that. Um, LB, do you have anything you want to throw at I don't, I want, I want Allison to be able to go because I know she's, she's got a commitment, but um, what is, what do you think? I guess my one question is, what do you see coming next? Right? Because we all were forecasters. We all were, it wasn't even reading the tea leaves. We just read what was there. <laughs> you know, it's like everyone just needed to pay attention. But what do you think is sort of a big, if anything, shoe to drop next? We have all these books coming out, but anything Try, trying to think if i can remember what i can tell you right. uh, um, i think we pretty much know most things about 2016 russia i think the next shoe to drop could be 2020 russia um and what's happening there um and i think we may start seeing um, some more information on maybe the counterintelligence 2016 aspect. Uh, and that's kind of all I can say right now. There's a lot more, there's a lot of shoes that are gonna drop, but- The Bolivar um, stuff that came out of volume five was really interesting. Um, mm. Michael Cohen, right, it's Michael Cohen actually, he said he's both- oh. that, uh, that Putin, Putin, it was Putin bribe, right? Yeah, Trump believed it was Putin. Now. Right. Well, let's let's spell that out for the audience that there was a four, you know Donald Trump's forty-five million dollar house in Florida got bought by oligarch Dmitry Rybolovlev, um, uh, who owns half of Monaco and all, all the fertilizer in Russia or whatever. And he buys and a lot Trump's of house from a lot of art. And well, and a lot of art and and a football team and so the, whole, the whole the That's the whole thing. And so he buys how he buys Donald. Trump's house for double, like 90 million, never lives in it. And in Cohen's book, he comes out and he says, yeah, no, Donald thought, oh, that's just a passer. That's Putin is buying my house. In other words, he's admitting that he got a $45 million payout from Vladimir Putin. Now, one of the things that people keep telling me- Why isn't that on the front page of every newspaper? I don't know why, but the the uh, people keep telling me that Trump actually acted on behalf of Roy Bolovlev. He was the seller and the buyer in that transaction. Um, which means Putin would have had to directly contract Trump. You know, how does that do even? It? How the hell? I mean, it's unless illegal, I'm sure, Putin, but, um, well, but unless Putin owns own both sides of the LLCs, LB, how does that even work financially? Well, <laughs> through Deutsche Bank layering. would be the it's short layering, and you do it with LLCs and banks, and, and then there's uh, that private hedge fund that had a bunch of money backed up. Uh, that mm -hmm. was attached to Deutsche Bank and VTCB or DBVTC or something or some other subsidiary that the Rosemary Vrablich joint, if yeah. you will. Mm -hmm. That's right. Ah. Um, she was the private, the private equity uh, uh, sort of handler of, of yeah. oligarch um, laundering. Um, yeah. 
be a very early the good old days. contract between Putin and Trump if it could be proven. I mean, it's it's we're far off from doing that. But you know, uh, Jeffrey Epstein said at the time exactly. that he did exactly. not believe that Trump had the money to to buy that place, and that he, he was just said he's broke Bolivar. AF. Yeah, he so he was completely broke. He was completely broke, and that's the reason Trump actually landed yeah. up probably telling on Epstein to, or reporting him to the police. Some people suspect. Um, so that's a whole other. Um, no, it's because yet, he's no. gonna. It's because yet. he's gonna, gonna take down all of the neolib pedophile rings in pizza basements. Oh, you know that. Oh, of course. Of yeah. There is um, there is Epstein news today for everybody to go check in. We've been telling oh. you that Dubin and um, oh that guy the others are gonna, are going to be indicted and come down. Um, and that's Who, what what what. Glenn Dubin and his wife might even be part of that as well, um, mm -hmm. are, are under indictment now for their for, role in the sex trafficking and money laundering with, with Jeffrey Epstein. They're involved I, with Epstein. I can see the money laundering is actually in there, but... Um, they might have been yeah. laundering money up until now, actually. Um, up to Correct. Recently, at least. Yeah. Um, who is, who is Dubin? It has to do with Indyke. Dubin is... Really go ahead, Seth. Go ahead. Really rich guy. Owns a huge... Really rich guy. Uh, <laughs> Huge trust fund of some sort. I mean, I don't know what you'd call it. Uh, yeah, Jeff, one of Jeffrey's quote-unquote clients. Uh, he, that was and she's former Miss <gasps> Norway or something, and she met, and she was dating Epstein as a younger, as a younger yeah. model, I guess. So you mean the non-hedge fund ever, <laughs> the, the the no experience hedge fund manager who manages a hedge fund for billionaires uh, yeah. might have been uh, that might have been a, like a blackmail scheme. I was no. a little bit of a, it was a little bit of a blackmail scheme, AG. <laughs> it was a little mm. bit of an intelligence operation as well. Um, no, that was for sure. Between that and having your you know people on staff that can pilot their own submarines and your sales to the Saudis of missiles, <laughs> after a while, it starts to seem like more than just uh, an underwear company or you know. What do you think they were, Eric? Were spies. They were spies. You know, he had, he had an entire company of 150 people working for him, to, managing all these people's finances. Not a single person was yeah. a trader. They were all administrators. Yeah. Suspicious, just a little suspicious, you think. None of them were, oh, were any of them in logistics. We got 150 guys were, in logistics. They were in I logistics. Want to see the, I want to see the, the Venn diagram of the Panama Papers and the fucking Epstein hedge fund contributors. Oh. I did that. Yes. <laughs> I did that. That launched me on Twitter. I uh, popped all those LLCs and then and all from the, from the, from the papers. Speaking yeah. of uh, logistics, just one last Can I read? Thing. Hold on. On, on. on To finish out Glenn Dubin, there was a wonderful, really heartfelt quote from Quinn Cummings the writer in Los Angeles and is she's bouncing off David Enrich, who of course appeared on this program. We did discussed all, all sorts of Deutsche Bank things. And, and, you know, he says, this is significant. Prosecutors are subpoenaing hedge fund billionaire Glenn Dubin and his wife as part of their investigation into Epstein. And she just reminds us this, you know, a very humanitarian way. And then they came for the rapist hedge fund billionaires. And I said nothing because that shit was sweet. No. These guys are actually going to land up being great witnesses. Yeah, they're going great. to be great with, I think they're, yeah, you know, they're great witnesses. They're going to cooperate. They're going to have to cooperate. They don't want to spend the rest oh, of the time. Oh, they're going to, oh, they're going to blah, 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 blah. And they're going to give a lot of information oh, yeah. about the people that we These really want to see. These people are not bars. made for prison. These oh. aren't Polly uh, Wonsock. Polly yeah, Wonsock was born to go to prison. And he's he great at it. He looks better than any of us right now. He's fantastic. I'm telling you, he came out of the, of the, he went away, as we say. Holly, are you pregnant or you glow? It's astonishing. He came out with the tan. 
So no, these guys were. These guys, he did. They they're not. They're not, they're not. You know, these aren't uh, Genovese. <laughs> these they're guys. not ready for this. Yeah, no, these guys are not like, no, the mob has honor compared to this group. There are yes. way more rats in this transnational crime syndicate. They are just rolling on go. each other every day. That is why we had a plea agreement bonus in our fantasy indictment league. You got extra points if you're <laughs> <on> each other. <laughs> plea indictment, oh, plea deal bonus. This is, by the way, um, this is Tell the, us about uh, the fantasy indictment league. I want to play <laughs> fantasy indictment league. Oh, That's amazing. Wanna... Oh, I'm going to find you again. Hang on. Do it again. Can we, can we talk a little bit about this quickly? So this is the DeJoy home in North Carolina, very southern oh, place. Oh, for fuck's sake, look at That's that. That's a gilded um, staircase, 18 karat gold. Um, oh, and, for, oh, for fuck's and, sake. And look at this place, looks like a little, uh, you know, looks like a little <laughs> castle, uh, nice little property for them. Uh, you know, these are just dedicated public servants. She's an ambassador, and he is just there to help make sure the post office becomes a little bit more efficient. That's They're all trying to there. jam her they're trying to jam her in as ambassador to Canada because why not? Let's just stupid this up. I don't some. think that's going to happen now. I'd be really shocked if that happens. But maybe. This may be a tough week for a lot of this. Yeah, we'll see what happens. It's certainly going to be interesting to see how it plays out. I mean, the bottom line of this is we need to get this guy out of this office. He cannot be yeah. in charge of the post office heading into the elections. No. He shouldn't even be there for another day. And XPO needs to look at whether they should be even involved in <laughs> Burying our mail and ballots around because they are exposed by all these criminals. You know. They don't care. They want to stay out of prison. They're all going they to prison. They replace the postal trucks with the refrigerated meat trucks. What is <laughs> happening? This is what I'm expecting to come down next, right? I mean, it's like we're gonna we're gonna find you know. Uh, I know. I'm wondering when the they're gonna use the mob concrete to to put the mail in and drop to the bottom of the ocean. I mean, That's what I- There I you go. Know. It'll be the watered down, you know, the ready mix is ready to go. They're gonna Talking resurrect- to the, the, joy, the joy just stands there looking at the ballots going, you're gonna <laughs> swim with the fishes. <laughs> okay, so the oh. national parks, the Department of the Interior will be run by, you know, DeSalvaducci, sand and gravel out of Staten Island. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, this is where we're heading. This is where we're heading. Hope yeah, I have to, you have to go. run. I got to go record the Daily Beans. But very I important. just want Everyone to... needs to download and subscribe to the Daily Beans on their favorite podcast yes. uh, player of choice. Thank you very much for hanging out with us, Allison. It's really great to, yeah. great to know you. Tomorrow we've got Natasha Bertrand, and Thursday we've got Peter Strzok. So. I'm dying. Oh. dying to hear. Oh, it's going to be so um, good. It's going to be so fantastic. Excited. So, uh, right, guys, thanks for joining thank us. You. We'll say goodbye to you and. Uh, I'll just bring up LB and uh, Eric here. We guys get bigger, bigger areas to talk. Yes, in. it's all about uh, screen space around here. So <laughs> <laughs> wait, there we go. Bye, Elson. Have a good one. Bye, Elson. Bye. She's great. Oh, she's awesome. Oh, she's Fun. the best. Yeah, it's just well, yeah. She's, she's so smart. I was been listening to her show uh, a lot of the last few days. Just uh, terrific stuff. She's just, uh, yeah, super talented. Um, yeah, that's our show for tonight. Do you guys have anything you want to share as a final uh, whip around? I don't know. Uh, we didn't get to really what? go into Susan Collins. Oh, and I yes. want to just remind the audience and for everybody to keep on track of this. The reason why um, the, the 
excuse for bringing DeJoy in, right? Because he was a logistics guy who was going to somehow financially straighten out the post office and run it more like a business. And that's, <sighs> that's his excuse for ripping out the sorting machines and getting rid of the stuff and having the truck, say the trucks have to run on time, even if they're empty, you know, all that shit that he's doing to fuck with the vote is all under this umbrella of, of an excuse of we need a businessman in there to run it like a business because it's been losing money. So I want everybody to understand that there's, we could, I, I don't want to go into depth now because I do, I want to go too, but <laughs> um, it's getting late, but, and we'll come back to this. The reasons why the USPS is not a business, um, and there are very specific reasons that it's, it's not a business. You can't approach it that way, number one, um, and we can break that down. But also that they were actually in a very good cash position um uh-huh. in the early thoughts they had the you know you can we had the internet come in and take mailing away there was all kinds of things that the usps is is because it's a government agency and it's it, not a in an institution it's not a business um that it but it was bal- battling in the business space and despite all of that it was actually doing okay and was- and it was. It was. It was making money. The cash reserves were okay. There's it's complexities in there. And w- says Dana, who everybody should follow, at say, says Dana on 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 Twitter has been extraordinary about pulling this apart and explaining it. So I want to credit her because she helps me a lot with understanding all this. Okay. So so this is going on. Remember that Charles Koch, since he came in to start this lib or uh, be a member of the Libertarian Party, uh, it was started before him, but in the seventies put on his little agenda. You know, they do the Republican Party agenda and the Democratic Party agenda. Well, the Libertarian Party had an agenda. And he was sort of came in there and said, my number one agenda is getting rid of the USPS. So since the 1970s, this motherfucker was trying to get rid of the USPS, right? It's part of the Libertarian movement. Why? Well, there's the Libertarians saying they hate institutions, they hate government, they blah, 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 blah. I want to get rid of everything. But if you're... You know, but if you're a Rand Paul, uh, you know, kind of libertarian, maybe you're doing that because you want to destroy democracy, right? And you understand that foundationally, the USPS is very important to the function, functional running of our democracy. Um, or you want to create so, a private enterprise that will take over that whole business. Well, uh, but, and, and make a lot right, of which out. is what DeJoy is sort of like the end point. It's hard to get to that. But to get to that, you need to make this excuse that it's losing money. But it wasn't. So right around, it was doing okay it, by the by the early 2000s. And uh, I think it was like 2006 or 2007. Susan Collins co-authors a bill. And she's in there with the Cokes. You know, everyone thinking yeah. she's a centrist. No, she is. She's as coked up as Mitch McConnell and as cooked up as Rand Paul. She is a coke kook. <laughs> and so Coke Cook, you know, Susan Collins, Coke Cook Collins, gets in there and authors this bill that forces the postal service. No other companies are forced to do this, by the way, in private sector that or in or public companies. She puts this added thing on them and no other government institutions that they have to pre-fund the health care, their own health care of all of their people, um, as well as the pension shit. And it's this upfront financial burden that only the USP Postal Service was um, pushed to have to do. And she's the one who made that fucking happen to them. So when you look at them on paper, even though they're even with that, still doing okay, truly, that began the conversation of if we look at the numbers this way, because they are 
pre-funding this, right? They're going in this huge debt burden every single year by having to put this money in a trust, right? And, and claim it in a very weird way that it looks like they're losing money or that they're underwater. So it was a burden that she put on them so that they could have the, the semantic and the propaganda to run against the USPS on behalf of the fucking Koch brothers that this, this you know, institution needed to be taken over by, you know, it needed to be privatized. We shouldn't Basically. have it anymore. We Basically. can get rid of it. She's the one who did that. So Somebody Joy's only the very last thing to come in to this very long running attack on the USPS by, by the, by the Coke kooks, of which Susan Collin is a charter fucking member, man. She is, she's at the top of that pyramid, right, of, of trying to destroy our institutions, all while she runs around pretending she's concerned about everything. Don't trust this woman. Vote her out. Yeah, she needs to get out. Get Ma- rid Maine's, of her. Maine's, Maine's going to uh, are gonna kick her ass because she sounds like she's from away. They would know what I meant by that. She doesn't sound like that's not a New Englander anymore. No. I don't know what she's she is, but she she she's from away. She was going okay. to... They were just destroying the post office would be one thing. This is, this is in the middle of an election, which could have major repercussions for the whole of time. She voted yeah. to keep the mobster. She had a she chance to get rid of the mobster. She voted for the mobster. Hang it on her. Support Narrative's independent journalism at patreon.com forward slash narrative. And check out our podcast wherever you get your podcasts. And don't forget to subscribe and download.